Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. I just want to share a couple of things with you tonight. And uh, I'm not going to take a long time. I was going to minister again on God, my healer. But uh, there's some things the Lord told me some time ago. And he said this to me. He said, always believe what I have said. And then he said this, number one, about myself. And when I'm teaching it to people, I say, always believe what God said, number one, about himself. What did God say about himself? That's what I believe. And, and, and the things that always come up to me immediately are the fact that God said he cannot lie. Not won't lie, cannot lie. Hallelujah. Look, tell your neighbor, say, God cannot lie. Now, that's why this, the, the reason this is so important is you're constantly reminding yourself of that. God cannot lie. Titus chapter 1, verse 2, God, who in hope of eternal life, cannot lie. God cannot lie. Numbers chapter 23 around verse 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie. The son of man that he should repent. Has he said it, shall he not do it? And, and you got to remember what the context of that is, is Balaam had hired Balak, or Balak had hired Balaam to curse God's people. And every time he opened up his mouth to curse them, he blessed them. And Balak said, what are you doing? I hired you to curse them. And three times you blessed them. And we always quote, you know, that, well, you know, I can't curse what God has blessed. He told me to bless, so I have to bless. But in between that, he made that statement. What God has said about them is going to come to pass because God is not a man that he should lie. Or the son of man that he should repent. Has he said it? Shall he not do it? Has he spoken it? Will he not make it stand fast? That's what God said about himself. Everything that the devil brings against you is an attempt to cause you to disbelieve what God said about himself. It's important. Because if you're going to operate your faith, people will say, well, I've got faith in God's word. Not if you don't have faith that God can't lie. Because you cannot have faith in the word if you don't have faith that God can't lie. If you don't believe God can't lie, you don't believe the word. Because this is what God said. And if the thought ever comes into your mind that God didn't do what he said, well, right there, your faith just went out the window. I got quiet. Are, are you following me? Say, say this out loud. God has always done and will always do what he said. Why? Because he can't lie. I said he can't lie. Amen. Isn't that right? Yes. 
So how do I know that your seed is producing? Because he said, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Is that right? If we don't turn coward and run. So how do I know your seed's producing? Because you haven't turned coward and run. You're still believing God. So therefore, the harvest is on the way. Amen. 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 I talked to a, a person one time, and they said, I just, I just wanted, they weren't in doubt, but they said, I just want to ask you this. They said, you know, I, I went and, and, I, and I got a report from the doctor, and I was, I was expecting, wanting something different, but I didn't get that report. I, I got the same report. They said, how do you handle that? I said, what do you mean? What has changed? It didn't get worse. Amen. So you got a good report. Then this is important, be, be, right? Because the enemy wants to discourage you. Well, you didn't get the report you wanted. What does that change? It doesn't change what God said. It doesn't change what God has promised. Well, I, I, I went to the doctor, and I was believing that this would be gone, but it's not gone. It's not advancing, but it's not gone. Well, what, then what does that change? Now, this is important because, because the issue is I still got a good report. Amen. I'm still healthy. I'm still well. I didn't see everything that I want to see, but, but, but I will. Why? Because God cannot lie. Amen. Always believe what God said about himself. Number two, always believe what God said about his word. What did God say about his word? We read some of it today. He said, my word will not return unto me void. It will not return unto me empty. It will not return unto me without accomplishing the thing that I sent it to do. It, it won't. It will not. Now notice, God said that. I'll refer back to point number one. Can God lie? So if God cannot lie, then his word won't return empty. Right? Isaiah 55, 10 through 12. Remember what he said? Isaiah 55, verse 10. As the snow comes down, from, as the rain comes down from heaven, and the snow and waters the earth and causes it to bring forth and bud, so shall my word be that proceeds out of my mouth. It will not return unto me void, but it will accomplish the thing whereunto I sent it. Amen. Is that right? Hallelujah. What does the rain and the snow do? Causes the earth to be moisturized, causes the seed to bring forth and grow. Is that right? Every time. Not sometimes, every time. What do you need for a good green yard? Water. You water your yard, what's going to happen? You're going to have a good green yard. Is that right? You water your plants, help me, what's going to happen? They're, they're going to be nice, aren't they? If you don't water them, what happens? They what? They die. Without water, they die. Amen. He said the words just like that. It will accomplish what he sent it to do. What did he send it to do in your, in your life? He said over and over in the word, I sent my word and I healed them. Is that right? And delivered them from all their trouble. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Do, do you see that? Your prosperity is wrapped in the word of God. Amen. Why? Because what David said in the book of Psalms, he said, Lord, look at my, at my situation, and behold, Lord, sin now prosperity. 
Hallelujah. So when's God sending it? Right now. The moment you believe the word, it's on the way. Right now. Right now. I'm going to get my blessing right now. Amen. Hallelujah. What, what else do you say about his word? It's truth. And that word truth in John 17, 17, it means what is true in any circumstance under consideration. The word is what's true about that. He said in Psalm chapter 119, he said around uh, verse 169, he said, your word is true from the beginning. He, he said in Psalm 119, he said, I thought on my way and I turned myself to your precepts. Why? Because it's absolute truth. What did God say about his word? Believe what God said about his word. Don't believe those people who say, well, I tried that and it didn't work. Run from them. Run, 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 run. Run. Why? They're, they're, try, they're trying to get your faith. Say this out loud. God has not failed me. God will not fail me. God cannot fail me. Hallelujah. Number three, believe what God said about what he will do. Believe what God said about what he will do. What did God say he would do? Well, first of all, he said he would do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think according to the power that works in you. In Ephesians chapter 3. He said in the book of Jeremiah, if you'll call on me, I'll show you great and mighty things. Things that you don't know about, I'll show them to you. He said in the book of Isaiah, he said, if you'll call unto me, I'll open, dark, the, I'll open the treasures of darkness to you, even the hidden riches of darkness. I'll bring them to you. I'll make it available to you. Oh, hallelujah. He, he said, do you, do you see that? This is what he said about what he would do. He, he said that when you serve him, that he'll bless you going in, and bless you coming out. He said you'd be blessed in your basket, blessed in your store, blessed in the city, blessed in the country, blessed in the basket, blessed in the store, blessed in the field. He said you would be the head and not the tail. He said you would be above only and not beneath. That's what he said he would do. I said that's what he said he would do. Always believe what God said about what he will do. And then always remember, you have a covenant. Everything that you believe comes back to what you believe about your covenant with God. What changed my life all those years ago was realizing that there was blood between me and God. Not, not just in a parroting sense. I heard that and I found it in the word. There's blood between me and God. I have a covenant with God. When you read the book of Psalm, chapter 69, and it says, I have been young, and now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread, that's a covenant statement. He said in the, in the book of Psalms, he said this, he said, my, 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 my word, I won't change. My covenant, I won't, I won't change it. It's important. I have a covenant. 
with Almighty God. Your covenant partner said that when you give, it will be given to you. That's, people will say that's a promise. That's a covenant statement. Why is it a promise? Because there's blood behind it. There are people that believe, well, these are the promises of God, and they believe it might happen or it might not happen. I have a covenant partner. If I act on what the covenant partner said, it will happen. It's not just a promise like we think a promise. It's a promise sworn in covenant blood. And God said, I have sworn, and I won't repent. I won't change my mind. This is important. I have a covenant. You know, today people say, you say, hey, are you going to do something such? Oh, yeah, I promise. And then the day shows up, ring, ring, ring. Hey, I've had something come up. How would they respond if you said, oh, so you got to break your word? But you know what we do? Oh, man, it's okay. Hey, don't worry about it. I mean, things come up. Well, they do, and I understand that. You want to be kind to people. But here's what I'm trying to say. People translate that over and think that's how God is. That if he makes a promise, he may or may not do it. Mm-mm, no, 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 no. The, the, in, the throne of God is attached to what he promised. And that's why Jesus could say to you and I, he said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. What does that mean? The heavens you see them as now, the earth you see now, this is not the heaven and the earth that's always going to be. The book of Revelation says it's all going to pass away in a fiery heat. It's going to be made perfect, made new again. That's all going to pass away. But the word and the throne of God will never pass away. Because it's founded on blood. And God swore. God swore. I say God swore. Hallelujah. You following me? Say it out loud. I have a covenant. See, when when, when I understand that, that, that I and everything goes back to that. My God shall supply all of my needs because you have a covenant. Amen. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse. That there may not be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the angel armies. If I won't rebuke the devourer for your sake, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out upon you a blessing there's not room enough to receive. And all nations of the earth shall cause you, call you blessed. Amen. And your vine will not cast her fruit in the field before the time. Why? I have a covenant. I have a covenant with God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you because I have a covenant. No, Pastor, it's because of my authority. I have authority because of my covenant. I have a right to be in the earth because of my covenant. Everything comes back to your covenant. Everything. Everything. The, the covenant that God made with Abraham is the basis of our relationship with God. That's how you got to come into the new covenant. As God told his friend Abraham, he said there's coming a day that one of your seed will bless the entire earth. Right? And, and, and Paul wrote in the book of Galatians, he says, therefore, if any man, if you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs to the covenant. Is that right? That's the basis of my relationship with God. Is I was brought into this covenant because I am Abraham's seed. And God made it in, 
over and over. Listen, seven different times when God spoke to Abraham in the book of Genesis, he said, this is my covenant. This is my covenant. When God showed up and told Abraham, remember, uh, I'm, let's go over there because you might not believe me. But I wouldn't lie to you. No, thank you for your enthusiasm on that. That's all right. I won't lie to you, about you, or for you. Amen. Chapter 15, verse 1, After these things the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram. I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. Now notice, And Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. So right here, Abram's unsure. You hear me? Isn't that what he said? See, people paint this picture of Abraham that he was always so sure and always so pot. Right here, he says, look, look, you haven't done what you said. Uh-huh. You've not, verse 3, you've given me no seed. Isn't that right? The word of the Lord came to him. This is not going to be your heir. The one that comes out of your own body, out of your bowels will be your heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, look now toward heaven. Tell the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to them, so shall your seed be. See, you got to have hope. People think that everything that they receive from God is just simply contingent upon one source, and that's their faith. And that's a mistake. Because faith has to have something that it's attached to. Faith needs additives. If you have faith and no picture, what are you believing for? Remember I told you you need to go to your garage and see your new vehicle because you got to have something to attach your faith to. The enemy doesn't attack your faith. He attacks your hope. And when he gets your hope, your faith follows it. And that's, and that's the problem Abram had. No hope. No picture. That's why Romans 4, remember what it says? It says that Abraham, against hope, believed in hope. The, the basic, the foundation of the word hope is expectation. The natural expectation that Abraham had was zero. Right? So what did he have to do? He had to look at God's picture. Now, I'm, I'm, am I helping you all with this tonight? He brought him and said, look toward heaven. Tell the stars or number the stars. Count the stars. If you're able to number them, don't try it. You can't. But he told Abraham, if you can. Now think about this for a moment. We know the conflict going on in Israel right now. Israel is is a nation about the size of New Jersey. In Israel, listen to me. In Israel right now, there are 9 million Jews. So we know at least he has 9 million descendants in the natural. Right here, how many did he have? Zero. What did he see when he looked at the stars, those 9 million descendants? And notice, now wait a minute, notice verse 6, and he believed in the Lord. When did he believe in the Lord? After he saw the picture. 
After he got some hope, what you can't see, you won't believe. You, you hear what I'm saying? I'm not talking about seeing the result. I'm saying if you can't see what God's trying to bring to you, you won't ever believe for it. I got to see it and attach my faith to it. But notice this. Mm. Verse 9, he said, take me a heifer of three years old, a she-goat, three years old, ram, three years old, turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against another, but the birds he did not divide. When the fowls came down on the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. When the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he, God, said to Abram, know of a surety your seed will be a stranger in the land. That is not theirs, serve them, they'll afflict them 400 years, and that nation that they will serve, I will judge, and afterward they'll come out with great substance. And you'll go to your fathers in peace. You'll be buried in a good age. But in the fourth generation, they'll come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Now notice here, a deep sleep fell on Abraham. Verse 17. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp passed between those pieces. In the same day, don't miss this, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. Abram did not make a covenant with the Lord. The Lord made a covenant with Abram. Who's the initiator? Now, when you read this in the New Testament, the initiator of the covenant is the greater of the two parties. Who's the greater? Who? Now, hear me. Hear me. Follow me. Who can't lie? Whose word is absolute truth? So one reason that God is greater than you and I is he can't lie. We can. Now, you won't, but you can. So the greater, the greater comes to Abram and says, I want to make a covenant. The greater comes to Abram. All those, all those chapters before this, around chapter 13, 14, it says the Lord appeared to Abram and said, get out of your land and away from your family and go to a land that I'll show you and I'll be your God and you'll be my people. Amen. From the very beginning, God's got on his mind what I want to do. And Abram, I'm sharing this with you. I want to be your God, and I want you to be my people. Amen. And it says, Abraham got up and left Ur of the Chaldees and went out. Look, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that he went looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. He didn't even know where he was going or how he was going to get there. But his covenant friend who showed up and said, I want to enter a covenant with you, said, I'm going to show you where to go and I'm going to make your name great and I'm going to bless you and I'm going to do everything I promise because I want to enter into a covenant. I just need somebody to believe me. That's what God was saying. This is important. I found Abram who will believe me. Remember what he said when he appeared to Abram in the plains of Mamre? 
after he made that promise to Abraham again. And it says they turned their eyes toward the city of Sodom. And God said to the, to the angels that were with him, should I hide from Abraham the thing that I'm going to do, seeing that he'll be a great nation and he'll train his children up after him? Why did that matter to God? Abram's his covenant friend. And the greater came to the lesser. And he didn't approach him as the lesser. He approached him from the standpoint of I'm the one that's able to do what I'm saying, Abraham, and I want you to enter into this. God doesn't approach you as you're the lesser and you're the incapable and you're less than. God approaches you with this mindset. I can do everything that I said I can do, and all I need you to do is believe me. Because I can do everything that you need me to do. That's why it's important you know, you know I have a covenant. Seven times God called it his covenant. And he said it's an eternal covenant. Eternal covenant. Listen, that's why the city of Jerusalem is an eternal city. It will never cease to be. It will never cease to be. God said, I have eternally and perpetually put my name there. He said, my eye will always be on that city. My face will always be turned towards that city. That city's going to outlive the tribulation. That city's going to outlive every war because the day's coming when the trumpet's going to sound, the church is going to be raptured. We're going to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb for seven years. What a shindig, man. It's going to take seven years to eat that meal. Glory to God. And then the day's going to come that the Bible says in the book of Enoch, or, or, or excuse me, the book of Jude, quoting Enoch, and he said the day's going to come that Jesus is going to return with ten thousands of his saints back to the earth. And where is Jesus going to set up his throne for a thousand years on the earth? In the city of Jerusalem. After Jesus rules and reigns there for a thousand years, what's going to happen? David is going to be set back on that throne in Jerusalem. And then the Bible says that God himself is going to come down from heaven and heaven will be on the earth. Why? Because God said in covenant blood, that city will always be mine. I have put my name there. The Bible says that God has called you by his name. He has put his name on you. His eye is never off of you. You have a covenant with almighty God. He's always looking at you. Always sees you. And that's why he could say in the Bible, anybody that comes to me, I will in no wise cast them out. Why? Because a covenant has been cut. Anybody that believes on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. I have a covenant. I have a covenant that's never far from my mind that everything that I'm believing God for is based on the covenant. That keeps it solid. Why, why do you think you can believe for that? Because I have a covenant. I have a covenant. And when the number looks too big, I have a covenant. When it looks too much, I have a covenant. Amen. That God initiated. It's his covenant between him and me. I didn't approach him. He approached me. Nobody in this room got saved because you approached God. You got saved because God approached you. Nobody found God. God found you. God wasn't lost. 
Well, I just thank him I found him. You didn't find him. The Bible says we were like sheep and went astray. And it says he came looking for us. Aren't you glad he found you? Why did he come looking? Because you got a covenant. I said because you got a covenant. That's why right now he's working on your behalf. Right now he's producing for you. Right now it's working. Why? You got a covenant. It's never far from my mind. When you know, listen, when you go and talk about property, you know, I found out people that deal with property all the time, they throw big numbers around. And you go and look in a building, and they look at you and they go, oh, it's only 3.2 million. Quite a deal. Really. I was thinking deal was more like, Third. That's what you're thinking. It's not what you say. But when you think, I got a covenant. Now, wait a minute. Hear, hear me. Hear me. I, I know I'm walking in front of everybody tonight. Hear me. Hear me when I say this. Hear me when I say this. If God says to go do it, now, now I know you know who God is, but who is God? My covenant who is the greater and has everything. My covenant partner said all the silver and all the gold belong to me. He said, if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you because I own the cattle on a thousand hills. And my daddy would always say, there's a tater on every hill. What's that mean? You can always have steak and taters. Amen. No, that's not Bible. That's MJ. But nonetheless, <laughs> it worked for him. Now think about what I'm saying. So they say, that's several hundred thousand. But your covenant partner that has all the silver and all the gold said, go after it. So don't muddy the water with how you're going to get financing. How much do you need down? Well, then think about this. Why are you worried about that? If he tells you to go after it and you have to finance it, do you think he can supply you with what you need down? And for what you need monthly? Yeah, but I don't think debt's his best. Well, it may not be his best, but that may be where you're at. And your covenant partner will meet you where you're at. Yes. Am I right or not? Yes. Just read, just read a few a couple chapters after this. God shows up and, and Abraham goes in the tent to make sure that there's a meal. And God tells Abraham, I'm gonna give you a child through Sarah. And Sarah's in the tent. Y'all remember what she did? Laughed. And God said, Why are you laughing? She and <laughs> Sarah lied to God. Said, I didn't laugh. God said, oh, you did laugh. Well, watch, who's, who's the greater? Who's the greater? And what did the greater say? I'm going to come back this time next year, and you're going to have a son. Yeah, but Sarah laughed. Yeah, chapter 17, Abraham laughed. But what did the covenant partner do in spite of their laughing? 
gave him a son. Was that son impossible? Yes. Was it impossible? Help me preach. Was Abraham's body dead? Was Sarah's womb dead? Did they have any hope? How do I know that? Because Hebrews chapter 11 says that Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed when she was past the age of bearing because she judged him faithful who had promised. He's faithful. He can be depended upon. Why did she judge him faithful? Because he stood in covenant blood and swore an oath. And he won't back off what he has promised. Oh, hallelujah. And isn't it funny? The Bible says, and Sarah conceived. Woo, glory. Why? Because she believed the greater. She believed the greater. Do you understand that? When we say things like this, there's nobody greater than God. A lot of people, that's just religious. Well, of course there's nobody greater than God. But then when it comes to their believing, they act like there's somebody greater than God. There's nobody greater than God. I was brought into this covenant because the greater one brought me into it. You thought I forgot where I was going. So you see that, that thing, and it has a price on it, and, and maybe you do have to finance it. Maybe that's where you got to do it right now. Yeah, but they're going to want 20% down. You think your covenant partner's got 20%? I'm serious. I'm, listen, I'm not asking you just to say what you think I want you to say. Do you believe that your covenant partner has that 20%? Yeah. He said he did. I said he said he did. He said, whatever you need, I got it. Amen. Amen. So what's it? Act like you have a covenant. Act like you have a covenant. I don't know about you, but you know, God told us to fill the house here. And every time I come here, I see it a little fuller. We had new people this morning. Yeah, but where's everybody coming come from? Don't know, don't care. Could care less. Just show up. I don't care if they come from the jail, the prison. I don't don't even care if they come from Wyandotte. I don't care. I mean, we got people from Leavenworth here. I'm just pointing that out. Bonner, right? And other parts of the state. Now, I'm joking, but you understand. It doesn't matter. And here's how they're going to come. They're going to come black. They're going to come white. They're going to come Hispanic. They're going to come Asian. They're going to come female and male because that's all there is. They're right. They're going to come single. They're going to come married. They're going to come with big families, small families. They're going to come and need healing. They're going to come and need prosperity. They're going to come and need to be saved. Why? Because my covenant partner said in the last days that the church, the local church, would be the most important place on the face of the earth. Hallelujah. And I don't care what I got to do. I don't care if I got to drive back and forth six days a week. I don't care if I got to fly. I don't care if I got to drive. I don't care if I got to hitch a ride. I don't care if I got to ride my thumb. We're going to see God do what God said because I will not let my covenant partner down. I won't do it. I won't do it. He's done too much for me. 
He saved my life. He turned my life around. He corrected my mistakes. He healed my body. When they said that things would not work out, my covenant partner who stood in covenant blood stepped in and worked them out. I won't let him down. Because he can do everything for a person that without him can do nothing. If you want to see how bad life can be, you just walk away from your covenant partner and you'll find out how bad life can be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You want to see how good life is? Do this. Just There you go. That's how good life is. Hallelujah. Everybody here eat today, right? Had a comfortable home, air conditioned, had good food. Most everybody come in a real nice car. Who did that? Who did that? I'll tell you who did that. Your covenant partner did that. The one that showed up to you. And nobody in here deserves the car you're driving, but yet your covenant partner stood in covenant blood and said, I'll bless you with whatever you want. Nobody in here deserves the goodness that we have in our life. Yet our covenant partner stood in blood ankle deep and said, I'll do for you what I promised to do for you. I have a covenant. I have a covenant that scares the devil to no end when you know you have a covenant. And here's why. I know I got to wrap this up. Here's why. Because he has no blood. He can't get into it. The covenant had to be in blood because he has none. He can't interfere with anything that's blood. That's why Jesus had to become a man and shed his blood because he had to ratify the covenant. The Bible is a covenant book sealed with blood on both ends. The blood of bulls and goats in the Old Testament, the blood of the Lamb of God in the New Testament. It's sealed. It's sealed on the front end. It's sealed on the back end. And every promise in between those two sealings of blood belonged to me because of the blood on the front end and the blood on the back end. They're mine. They're not something that I can have in the sense of they might happen, they're mine. They're mine. And to the point that I enact the covenant is to the point that they operate in my life. Amen. Amen. My wife and I will be talking about things, and she'll say, well, we need this, and, and we need to do this. And I'll say, yes, yes, yes. And we have that on the basis of, number one, the power of agreement. Number two, the power of confession. Number three, the power of standing expectantly on the Word of God. Now, why am I standing expectantly on the Word of God? Because my covenant partner stood in covenant blood and swore. That's why I can expect it. That's why I can expect it. And who am I in agreement with? I'm in agreement with my covenant partner. Every promise in the book is mine. Everything that you said belongs to me. Everything that you said was mine is mine. I agree with you. It's the power of agreement. Matthew 18, 19 is just a shadow. It's just a replication of your agreement with God. When you agree with your brother, your sister, your spouse, and you come into agreement, it's, it's what you do with God when you go to his word and say, this is what your word says. And according to Matthew 18, 19, you're one and I'm two, and two of us are agreeing on the earth, and I receive it in Jesus' name. 
What, how can I do that? How can I enter into that covenant agreement? How can I enter into that agreement, Matthew 18, 19? There's blood between me and God. And my covenant partner who stood in covenant blood said, if you'll find a believer that will agree with you, anything that you ask, I'll do. Amen. Anything. Anything. Now take your issue and put it up against anything. Look small. Is there any more impossible situation than you're going to have a son that's going to come out of your own body and oh, your barren wife's going to bear him? I know your body's dead. Understand that. I mean, why didn't God just come and heal Sarah? Abraham could have a child. We know that because Hagar got pregnant. Why didn't God just heal Sarah? Why didn't he just heal her and fix the whole problem? He needed somebody to believe him. And he needed somebody to believe him the way he said. Amen. So you take that impossible situation and always put it over, see, your impossible situation. Well, how's this ever going to happen? I don't know. How'd Sarah get pregnant? She judged her covenant partner faithful. Well, that's good. Thank you. Do you see that? And that, that's what it always comes back down to. Your faith is based on what you believe about your covenant. Because a covenant mindset is a requirement for strong faith. If I'm gonna have strong faith, I gotta have a covenant mindset. This cannot happen because I have a covenant that says it won't. Right? How do I know no evil shall befall me, no plague will come near my dwelling? Because it's in Psalm 91, Pastor. That's right. But why is it in Psalm 91? Because I have a covenant. Amen. Amen. And so what people don't understand is when we call it, in Pentecostal circles, we call it pleading the blood, and we should plead the blood. But what are you saying when you plead the blood? I have a covenant. Amen. I have a covenant. I have a covenant. The devil knows you have a covenant. And he tries to violate it. Don't you violate it. I won't back off my covenant. I have a covenant. Amen. I said I have a covenant. I have a covenant that says the enemy will come out, from, uh, out at me one way and flee from me seven ways. I have a covenant that says one of me will put 1,000 to flight and two of us will put 10,000 to flight. I have a covenant. I have a covenant. I have a covenant. I have a covenant that says no weapon formed against me will prosper. Hallelujah. Amen. So do you. So do you. I went over my time. That's okay. Hallelujah. God has eternally set himself in that position of your covenant partner that he initiated. Understand, let me finish with this. We, I started to read it to you. The, the only thing that Abraham had the responsibility to do was believe the greater. Remember what it says in the book of Hebrews? In the, in, that's in the New Testament. It says that when two parties enter into an agreement and there's a greater one and a lesser one, that the word of the greater settles it, even in the natural. Amen. Right? If I came up to you and I said, look, what? 
That, that house you're believing for is $750,000, all right? I got a million dollars I'm going to give you, right? Dave says, got it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Dave says, flow. <laughs> he said the next time I pulled a $100 bill out of my pocket, he's going to say, flow. <laughs> you notice I haven't been pulling them out. <laughs> Look, he got me all off. But listen, listen, Here, here's the thing. You may not have the money. I do. I just told you I did. Now listen, in that situation, not a greater person, that makes me greater, have greater ability. Amen. Now listen, what is going to determine whether you get that house or not? What you believe about what I said. Amen. Right? You know, there are believers that if you went up to them and said that, they'd go... <laughs> Yeah, right. Right? There are people that tell their covenant partner, no, God don't really want me to have all that. And he stood in blood and swore that he did. It says, because God could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. Amen. God looked for somebody greater than him. He couldn't find him. So he stepped up and swore by himself. So it shouldn't surprise you and me. Hallelujah. 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 What do you believe about what your covenant partner said? Listen. In the natural, in the natural, I have a covenant partner. Had her for 30 years. I love you, but I will believe her over you every time. Why? She's my covenant partner. She stood with me through things. See, you might cut out on me, but she's proven over 30 years she won't. See, I promise God I won't cut out on you. Because you're my covenant partner. You entered into covenant with me when you didn't have to. You did that for me. When you put your ambition aside and just go after what God wants, you see more victory. I'm, I have been praying recently, Lord, send me people that have no other ambition than to make great the ministry that you've called us to build. Because what you run into so often is, is, is somebody's always looking for something down the road, something better over there. Well, I'm here until. Well, how, what kind of confidence does that cause a person to place in you? How about I'm here to do what God has asked this ministry to do? That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. You know, we're all getting busier. I'm getting busier. Amen. I'm going to drive back to Little Rock tomorrow, get out of the car and freshen up and go to prayer meeting. 
Then Pastor Michelle is going to get in the car Wednesday and drive up here and preach Wednesday night and get in the car and drive back home Thursday. Amen. I'm going to preach all weekend. Then Monday, I'm going to go to Reality of the Gospel and preach. And then I'm going to get in the car on Tuesday and drive up here and be here for Brother Jerry. Isn't that great? God's doing great things in our midst. And you gotta, you got to stay focused on what does God want me to do where I'm at. Because your covenant partner sent you here. Your covenant partner sent you here. And it's not just to serve Philip and Michelle Steele. It's to help build the faith capital of Kansas. Amen. Amen. Do, do you understand that? Somebody asked me the other day. They said, what do you do in your ministry, you know, if people decide they want to leave? I said, oh, I've been there before. What do you do? Keep going. Amen. Why? Because I'm going to tell you the truth. Everybody in here has a choice. I don't. I don't. I don't have a choice. This is what God told me to do. But in reality, if God called you here, you don't have a choice. If you believe what your covenant partner said. Hallelujah. Now that's all free.